Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Welcome back, Old Time Crime Gals, Season 2 underway. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday and New Year break. Definitely. We did. We did. But I'm ready to get into the swing of things. It was was definitely nice. So So we're going to do Season 2 with no concussions, no slip trips and falls. Yes. No. We'll see if we can make it (laughs) Extended down. Yeah, no extended vacations unplanned. Hopefully no sickness. Yep, no sickness. Have a lot of that going around where we are. I don't know about you guys, but we hope you'll share that we're back and spread the word and uh you know ready for more stories of like sports crimes and people using animals as weapons and oh yeah no i'm not never mind (laughs) you'll find out (laughs) that's kind of and laughs yes so welcome back and so i'm shannon oh melissa yes for those newcomers who don't know us yet um I'm the one that had the concussions, by the way. So <laughs> I will be telling the story tonight, and hopefully things will be back to normal. But I'm not very normal anyway. So, um, and that's okay. Yeah, I like me most of the time. <laughs> so our story starts off in an office building. It's the Vanderbilt Mortgage Company outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Here we meet Norman Clark and Brittany Eldridge. And so they actually met each other during an orientation. They started working on the same day and they struck up a friendship um, as they began to navigate their careers. And usually you do. And that's that's common people, especially with large companies that have, you know, 20 or 30 people in orientation, like a class, you know, Mm -hmm. for a week or a couple of days, you start to, you know, gravitate. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, human. Yeah, social. So, Brittany was really good at her job, and she helped Norman get the hang of it. They both were collectors, so they'd call up customers and remind them to pay their mortgage bill. They had a lot in common with each other. Brittany grew up as being sort of a tomboy and playing sports, as well as cheerleading, and her brother, um, her brother described her as a living-in-the-moment, very cheerful person. Uh, Norman grew up wanting to play basketball in the NBA, He studied sports management in college, and it wasn't long before they were talking about more than just debt collecting. Pretty soon, the two were together, but that had only made things more complicated. So, I actually watched this one. Usually, Melissa, I'm going to take a little (laughs) pause here. Usually, Melissa's the one that does a lot of the background check, you know, checking on, watching the shows, and doing a lot of the historical um digging and research i was trying to find yeah, research to what yes. we're just trying to find research, research. google <laughs> um but because it was christmas break um i was able to watch this one uh, so here's the kicker you got two people at work getting to know each other and they're young so that sounds pretty cool like, i don't hey. know how old he it never said how old he was she was 23 yeah. at the time yeah, she was young, so I don't know. He looked young on the TV, but I don't know how old he was. Um, so they had a lot in common, like we said. Norman was single, in a way. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he was single. He was not hitched, as you would say. He was not married. But Brittany, on the other hand, at 23, she was married. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband was named Terry Eldridge. 
He was a truck driver. He's also 17 years older than her. Yes, he was much older than she Mm -hmm. was. So, um, Brittany's relationship with her husband was rocky at best. They had a big age gap, Mm -hmm. as Melissa just said. And Terry was... um, it seemed like they were in different age groups, so they wanted different things out of life. Mm-hmm. So, being 23, she was right out of high school. Um, so, they just wanted different things. Brittany really wanted kids. Terry did not. So, I would think, yeah, if he's 17 years older than her, he would have already made that decision about whether he wanted children or not. And probably a really good discussion you should have before you get married. Yes, if you're single, please have that discussion <laughs> before you get married. Because being on the same page of a event like that would be you know preferable because um that if, you, if you don't agree on yeah that and and money goals for your money yes. together is um makes life very difficult yes definitely so make sure you're on the same page about money and children um it really helps out in the future <laughs> down the road as my children say, I always say, this is a good thing to learn for the future. You want to always remember the past so you don't repeat things the wrong way and you can move forward to more great things in the future. So she really wanted kids. Terry, her truck driving husband, that was not what he was wanting. He didn't want children. Um, so you want to make sure that you're on the same page with that or it makes it difficult for both of you. So Terry drove his truck at night. And they hardly saw each other. So you have a young, beautiful, she was really pretty wife, and you're going at night. Probably not a great, Mm -mm. yeah. Scheduling isn't, well, it may not be on the table with, like, children and money, but it can make life life difficult. Yeah, if I had a young wife. (laughs) Yeah, a young wife, and you're going at night. Um, So they hardly saw each other, and that was another big strain on a relationship. So, um want to make sure you your goals of what spending time together is very important uh norman who was her work friend and Brittany, they continued seeing each other um and and developed a relationship that they had going for over a year there were some people in the office that knew she had a friend i think that she talked to about it um because we know gossip which water, i water hate cooler spreads. Talk. <laughs> yes watercolor talk um gossip spreads like COVID, evidently. (laughs) We're keeping that in there, just so you know. Yes. Um, Eventually, though, things always come to light. Mm -hmm. I mean, things, you know, are going to be shown. So, try to hide something in the dark. Light's always going to penetrate. So, in February of 2011, her truck-driving husband, Terry, found out about the affair between Brittany and Norman. So, he moved out and filed she for divorce. Out. Oh, she moved out. Yeah. Okay. So, Brittany moved out. Sorry about that. Yeah, she left. So, Brittany left because I guess he probably had the house before they got married or now, something. Well, it didn't say how he found out. Like, if he found out and then the next thing happened or they just couldn't hide it anymore. Okay. Because okay. things are about to get even more complicated. Yes. We're fixing to throw another wrench into the mix here in just a second. So, um... He moved that she moves out and they file for divorce. And then Brittany, Brittany and Norman, they just couldn't really keep things a secret much longer because ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Brittany was pregnant and Norman was the father. Um, Brittany had always wanted children, as we said. So Norman was happy for her because that is what she wanted. Uh, actually, 
Norman wasn't as excited about having children because one year earlier, he actually became a father himself. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> with um, a little girl born to another woman from Nashville. He worked hard and supported the child, even though he wasn't still with the mother. Norman believes that having his daughter makes him a better man and he wants more children. Okay, so let's. let's so just, at this point in the interview, you're like, oh, okay, all right. Well, no, at this point, when I was watching it, I'm like, let me do the math on that. Yeah, no, because he met her when she was 23. Uh huh. And then eight eight months or what, a little a year, she becomes pregnant. But a year before that, he had was it a, a daughter? Yeah. So was it a year before he met Brittany? He had a daughter, or was it during all that time? Because I've seen like it could have been well. Multiple. Knowing his personality and the interviews that yes, happened later. Yeah. So we'll see. Y'all will be thinking about that too. Just kind of give it some thought. Um, so yeah, he had already had a child with another woman and he was not with that lady. Um, but he did pay support according to everything we yep. saw. He did do that. So good for him. Um, and that'll kind of, to me, when I was watching this, remembering that he paid child support earlier, kind of helped with my thought process as we get to the end. Yeah. yeah. Kind of what we thought. Um, and he was, he, according to the interview, it seemed like he was genuine about Brittany having this baby and he was happy for her. Mm -hmm. He sounded like he, he knew how to listen and be a friend, although he was in it for a different reason, True, but he was good at his job that, you know, not only the collecting money. So, um, so yeah, so Brittany wanted to work for as long as she could to prepare and get ready for her baby's boy, baby boy's arrival. She'd already picked out his name. It was going to be Ezekiel, Zeke for short. So, on Tuesday, December 13th, 2011, she was two weeks away from her due date. <clears throat> she was late for work, and that was not like her. A co-worker um, knew about her and Norman, so she approached him and asked him to get in touch with the mother of Brittany because she just felt like something wasn't right. So, they called Robin, who was Brittany's mom, and she went to Brittany's apartment to check on her. Now, at this point, they're probably only thinking she's one in the labor. Yeah. That's what she's, they... She's, yeah. Not, yeah, she's not at work because something must have happened. She's at the hospital. She's in labor. Yeah. So, I remember Norman on the interview. Um, and I'm really proud of myself that I watched this because I can speak intelligently. <laughs> I do remember that, you know, he was like thinking that she didn't been in labor and that was what they were going to hear, that she'd been in the hospital and just couldn't get in touch with anybody. So, we will find out when we come back. What Robin, Brittany's mama, finds. All right. So, we're back. Robin's, we are coming in to where Robin, um, which is Brittany's mom, is going to check on her because she hasn't shown up for work. And she goes into Brittany's apartment and she walks into a nightmare. Well, and I, yeah, I can't the, even imagine. The door is unlocked for one. That's like, you know, red flag number one. Yes, the door is unlocked. And as soon as she walks in, she's terrified. Uh, the living room looked like it had been tossed. The new flat screen TV was toppled on the floor. Brittany's purse was turned over and dumped out on the floor. She immediately ran outside and called 911 to send help. The operator told her she had to go back inside. I have a problem with I did this. too, yes. Because whenever you well, read or, well, that. No, well, not only that, but if I come home and my door is open and my house appears ransacked, 
you're not supposed to go in in case somebody's still in there. Does it count if your door is left open because you didn't do something right and your house appears ransacked because you live there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's happened to me, but that might have happened to me. But anyway, go ahead. But, but yes, I mean, I if, I, if my door, like Daniel, my husband's always said, like, if you come home and this is like, because our house has got broken into. Not where we live at now, but before. Yeah, my mom said. And if you come home and you know something's not right, you're supposed to call nine. She she left and called 911. She did what she was supposed to do. I think she did the right thing, yes. Have I walked in my house? Because I wasn't. Being yes. Because I haven't gone to check on a loved one. Now, if I'm going to go, let's say, to a parent's house or to my daughter who is not at work, and the door's unlocked, then yes, that is specific causes. Most of the time when it's happened to me, it's like, did I forget to shut the door? Oh. Did my husband forget to shut the door? And oh, well, my niece didn't shut my door tight one day when I went to go get the kids See? to take them to school. I came home, my door was yeah. wide open, but yeah, that's a different my house didn't appear inside. Right. That's a, that's a different circumstance. So, but in this circumstance, you're exactly right. The 911 operator has already been told the place looks, you know, she's called 911. She said that something's I can't wrong. Find my daughter. Yeah, the house, this is what the house looks like. So, yes, I feel like that was putting that mother in danger to send her back in. Just in case the to. robbers were still in there. That's whatever exactly. had happened. Yep, I'm with you on that. And a lot of times I was in these 911 calls, and I, I know it's their job to calm you down so they can get information but a lot of them just seem so mean they are and i mean i know the other person on the end is hysterical i have not had that training props to all you people who can because i don't think i could sit through someone being hysterical like that and get what i need out of them well and they get a lot of nonsense calls from people i've worked in mental health you know people that just call they want to ride from the oh well, the 911 call that mcdonald's was out of chicken nuggets yeah i mean crazy <laughs> stuff so i think what happens is they get they just get tired of it and they're yeah. just like tell me you need to tell me what's going on yeah. like be quiet and let me know yeah they get desensitized and then we it. listen to it and it's like oh you're being so mean yeah but then, i mean but when in some cases when you really i mean they you can realize somebody's panicked yeah you can you can say oh my goodness she's panicked she's scared this is new I think you should be able to have that, being able to see. So, um, yeah. I'm well, they've had you. training in that, but anyway. Yeah. I just don't understand why but she was told to go back inside. training, too. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's a danger. Because somebody, like you said, could still be in there. So, anyway, she does go back inside um, <clears throat> and to see if she could find her daughter anywhere. And so. she's on the phone the entire time. So, you can hear and see, I can't what's even going listen. on. Yeah. And there's so many. There's Yeah, there's some calls where the. Well, the dispatchers, there are some where they've made the poor decision of putting somebody in harm's way because I think we listened to one about a postal worker not too long ago that got drowned because, yeah, we'll have to listen to that. Oh, I hadn't heard that. We might have to bring that time. Well, yeah, we'll bring that to you another time. But anyway, so we, but we do appreciate anybody that works yes, in probably. emergency situations. And unfortunately, I've had to call a lot. So, um, but, yeah, so she went back in, and when she went back inside, she walked in and um, heard running water. The bathroom shower was running, so she only had one room left to check, and that was her daughter's bedroom. As soon as she gets through the door, she sees Brittany laying on the floor naked, and she knew she was already gone. Um, she immediately ran outside. Police found Brittany laying on the floor beside her bed. She had been strangled and stabbed in her throat mm -hmm. um and unfortunately her baby i was hoping when i was watching this yeah that the baby i was like maybe they'll survive. get yeah and, it, and the baby did not survive she was partially covered up with lingerie laying on top of her so it sounds like somebody 
maybe just put that on her. Like it didn't mention you know, any like assault or anything like that. Yeah. I think they were just trying to cover up and run. Yeah. Or, so, um, so again, poor mom. That that had and that's so all traumatic. on police cam. You can actually see them walking through the house. The TV toppled over. The showers running. This everything's like yeah. So like she shouldn't thing. have had to go back in there. You know, um, the ransacked apartment seemed to be a robbery gone wrong. And there had actually been several break-ins in that area over the last couple of weeks. And even an apartment in the same complex as Brittany's was robbed the very same week. Mm-hmm. So, and they were targeting flat screen TVs. Even though hers was left, it looks like she had started the shower, started to take a shower, and something had happened, and it went wrong. Yeah, we just don't know what happened. So, um Definitely, you would think the robberies at first might have got caught. So, when um, Norman, who's the boyfriend, who's at who's work, the father of the children, he was at work. Yep. So, I guess he left, right? He Oh, he got word of what had happened, and he jumped in his car, and he went to Brittany's place. And you can see him on dash cam from the police. Um, like, he, he just in, hops out his yeah. car, and he's going to go inside. Yeah. I think he struck me as someone who cared. Mm-hmm. Um. So he's going inside, but it's a crime scene, so he's not allowed in. And instead, which I thought this was kind of strange. Well, it's happened before, but the way they they made it seem that way made it seem strange. But the fact that he was there for such a long time, Mm -hmm. and in the video, he said the guy's like, "You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble." He said, "Well, okay. Well, what am I sitting here for?" Yeah, he was in the back. Yeah, he put him in the back. Put him in the back seat. Car. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, that was my only thing about him being in the police car. That but I mean, there was a guy beside him, and you can't sit someone in the front of a cop car. So yeah. I'm guessing that they were doing their kind of interrogation on the spot yeah. there. But yeah, I don't know. I would have been like, I'm not sitting in the back of the car. I'm claustrophobic anyway, <laughs> and I know police cars ain't locked the door, and you can't get out. So I'd be like, uh, Can we talk somewhere else? I can't do this. And especially, I'm not. He wasn't violent. No, I he mean, he spent an hour. Every yeah. question they asked him, he he answered, but he also had another question. Like, you need to tell me what's going on because I don't know. Because they hadn't shared with him what had happened. Um, He gave up his phone. They searched his car. He provided. This was after he went back to the So, so they did take oh, him okay. to the police station. I skipped, sorry. For another interview. And at that point, he gave his cell phone over. They let him search his car. Right. Um, When they asked for a DNA sample, he's like, sure, absolutely, take it away. Yeah, he stayed Um, there for, what, hours? They pretty much took up his whole day. Yeah. Because then they had to leave, they had to take him from the police station to his house so he could get the clothes that he wore the night before so they could look at that. And so they pretty much took up his whole day. Yeah. And and so um, he did tell the police that he had had plans to see Brittany the night that she was killed. That would have been Monday night. Yes. But instead, he went home after work and then spent the night with a friend. Um, police did look into her ex-husband, and Melissa was explaining a little bit to that about that during the break because I didn't remember that part of the story about the police looking into her ex-husband Terry Eldridge. Um, but he was ruled yeah, out. He was ruled so, out. Um, you remember that? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> So, so they're debt collectors, and they work at Vanderbilt. Well, at Vanderbilt, um, and probably most most oh, quality yes, control yes. places, all your conversations are recorded. I know when I call somebody, it says this conversation is yeah. be recorded for quality something, quality uh, control purposes yes. or whatever. So all of Norman's conversations that he had on his desk with his friends and Brittany and stuff had been recorded, and all the conversations she had 
had been recorded. And so they now were, they have like an inside view of like real, this is what they're like, this is what's going on in their lives, real time leading up to this event. So ding, ding, ding. Remember that because it, when you're recorded, it's around forever. And their relationship became, and, and a little bit about his character. Yeah. To me, out. you know, because if I had dated a guy and he was talking like that. And well, I, I described like, it. It's like high school locker room talk, but was. for office. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah. So, all of their conversations were recorded. Brittany had mentioned in her conversations to friends that Norman had become um, become different. Once she told him she was pregnant. Well, and to be honest, I think every guy's a little bit different after they find that information. Even out. when you're married for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, life's going to change. And she described anyway, it as him. odd. He was a little bit different. Probably distanced himself a little bit yeah. from her. Um, well, I mean, he had a lot of those things going on too. Yeah, we're getting to that. <laughs> so she believed that the baby would bring them close together. Um, which a lot, that's a lot of And sometimes it does. Yeah. Norman, on the other hand, um, his conversations were very eye-opening. Uh, he would, he would boast about his wildlife. And here's the, the kicker, the kicker. He was juggling, he says, about 15 to 20 women. At one time. At one time. So, it wasn't just Brittany. Um, he says that all of them knew ahead of time yeah. that he did not want a relationship. So it was just a, you know, he's very friends, social. <laughs> friend, friends with benefits is what I think. He's the, a very friendly yes. man, is what he said. Yes, he wasn't a really a playboy type of image. It's like he wouldn't, kinda, yeah, he wouldn't yeah. get that if you looked at him or if you heard him talking because he didn't play play it up. Like he that. was really, he was smooth. I yeah. remember watching the first time. Oh, he seems like a nice guy. And then when the recorded messages were played, I'm yeah. like, oh, you, you dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, um, bill collectors were calling his job demanding payments um, from him. But yet, he still lived with, guess who? His parents <laughs> in their basement. Um, so, he seemed like he was getting ready to drop off the police's radar for the crime. Until after months of not really seeming to be involved in everything, three days before the murder, he started contacting Brittany and acting interested in the pregnancy. And police think they know why. So, you know, he kind of wasn't having interest in her, as her phone conversations mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then three days before the murder, all of a sudden he's interested. So, in a diary um, entry that Brittany had written... She expressed the decision to take Norman to court to get child support for her baby. She knew he had another child and provided support for that child. So why wouldn't he provide support for her baby? Mm -hmm. The night before the murder, she was on the phone with a co-worker. And she told her that Norman wanted to meet Monday after work. So the co-worker advised her to say no. Um, but Brittany told Norman she would meet up with him anyway. So I guess the co-worker didn't want her to talk to Brittany because I mean Brittany to talk to Norman before she went to file the court yeah. something something to do with that but Norman said he told police I was supposed to meet her but yeah. I decided not to he didn't keep any way anything from her. I don't to me it seemed pretty as, as much videos and confessions and police interrogations as I've watched over the years to me it seemed genuine that he yeah. wasn't hiding anything as the key word for the day of the age that we live in is <laughs> transparent. He seemed very transparent. Very he transparent. did. I mean, he didn't mind telling us about his women. No. And he didn't mind telling about anything. So he didn't mind giving them all the evidence they would need 
um, all the DNA samples and everything like that. Um, so the night that she was murdered, um, May 14th, 2014, Norman was arrested. No, that's not. No, no. So I'm just saying he was supposed to meet her that Monday night and that's the night that she was murdered. Okay. So as a result of all the, because she was, this happened in 2011. Yes. Okay. So all the very circumstantial evidence that was, or lack thereof, seemed to only point them in one direction. That's the day that he was officially officially arrested. Okay. So on May 14th, 2014, the crime happened in 2011. Norman was arrested for the murder of Brittany and her unborn child. There was no physical evidence. His DNA did not match the DNA found on the lingerie. And that to me is is so important. There was two. There was two unidentified male types of DNA. Not just one person. two, Two. Which. On the lingerie that was touching her body. Yeah. And his DNA did not match either one of those. None of his fingerprints, and he gave a hair sample. Yeah. So, yeah, I think two people. It takes two people to take, take out a big old flat screen, if that's possibly the who did it. So, yeah. um, But we don't know. So, during the trial, the prosecution paints a picture that the baby was the target because it was going to ruin his lifestyle. But baby number one didn't ruin his lifestyle. He was a player. <laughs> he was a playboy trying to juggle I mean, he just many threw, women. That's why he probably wasn't living in his basement because all his money was going to child number one. Yeah. And he couldn't pay his bills. So then if you watch this, I encourage you to watch it if you have time. Um, on the witness stand, they had girl after girl. <laughs> they went up on the, t- the stand and testified well, that see, they all believed they were his one and only. But in his interview, he's up front. I was up front with this. This is what I want. They all know. Yeah. They don't have a problem with each other. And then every single one of them was like, I thought he was my boyfriend. I thought he was my boyfriend. But here's my thing. I would be thinking something's up. I mean, to juggle 15 to 20 women, I mean, there's only seven days in a week. <laughs> so did you only see him once a month and still think he was your only? I mean, you got you got to use some common sense. But he, but he had a type. I would say he's smooth. He yeah. was smooth too. So, um, oh, so he had a type. They kind of all. But were some similar. of them were in the same office. Oh, because she said you, you were with multiple people in the same office building, and no one had a problem with each other. He's like, nope. Everything no, was not, good. I'm sorry. I am of the woman <laughs> variety. A true woman. You, uh, uh-uh, no, not in the same office with the same man. <laughs> that ain't happening. So, how about you, Melissa? Mm-mm. No, Melissa's a. A, a true woman too and that no Mm-mm. so um but they did they painted a picture of him just struggling you know trying to his lifestyle was gonna be ruined and but there was no evidence so an expert witness examined his phone so back in 2011 the phones would ping off cell t- towers um and they determined that it pinged off a tower close to Brittany's uh, residence twice on the night in question, one was at 8.28 p.m. and again around 9.04 p.m. Norman, well, that time may not be exactly. It was, it was twice, but they said she was killed around that time. But he insisted that he was at uh, his friend's house. So the friend in question was a girlfriend. Now, I don't know how towers were back then, but... I think I it know. should be like in three miles... Within three miles of the, okay. of the tower. And I didn't know. I didn't know how close this other... Because you can triangulate. I think, I want to say around three miles, but if it is around her place, I mean, I can't explain that. Yeah. But. 
But I don't know if it was around the friend's house that he no, was, it was question. No, no, so I don't think so. Away. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. That would be the one area that was... Well, see, during the trial, that friend that was his alibi, and it was a girlfriend, and she stated that he, like, crawled in the bed, and the time was at, like, 1030. And so, the prosecution was like, well, there, there you go. He could have killed her at 8 o'clock, you know, by night. he had an hour to, you know, wipe this crime scene down, clean it, get cleaned up everything, and go to this person's house. But no evidence. He just doesn't strike I mean, me as like he could do that that fast. Be and plus, but you see, don't... and then the defense was like, "Well, you were asleep, right?" She said, "Yeah, yeah. I was asleep in my bed watching my TV." Yeah. And I was like, "Well, he could have got there at eight o'clock if he yeah. had a key, and then watched TV before he went to bed." You can't if you can't physically lay eyes on him that he walked in at ten thirty. Yeah. Then maybe he didn't get there at ten thirty. Maybe he got there at eight. That's right. Maybe he got there at eight thirty. That's right. And that leaves him less time to do this. This incident. And did they not bring in another expert witness on the defense side of the cell phone it's tower like thing? They had the opposite. Yeah. So they trying to cancel the opposite each other view. Out. So you're just confusing the jurors. Yeah. And even if the prosecution, one of their points was, you know, he had juggled these so many women for so long, and he was, you know, debt collectors, and he just he just snapped and snapped. I mean, is a TV show? People do that sometimes. That is a thing. But snapped enough that he was smart enough to get rid of everything and put two other people's DNA on stuff like yeah. that. He would have had no time to do that. Think about how long it takes you just to clean up something. Oh. He couldn't have cleaned blood. And that was a, you know, big I mean, in the throat and like everything. Yeah. Throw everything around. Not to not leave a hair, a fingerprint, any of that. Um, or any kind of evidence. Yeah. Um, so, basically, the first trial. Because there's more than one. Yes, there were two trials. <laughs> So, um, do you want to speak on that? Oh, if I, just the first one, um, because the conflicting stories, lack of evidence. I mean, if I was a juror, like I just can't. I I believed he was innocent. So yeah, obviously the jury they just couldn't decide on a single verdict. But this one they were they were gridlocked. It was eleven to one. So eleven people thought he was not guilty, and then there's that one person that thought he did it, mm-hmm. and so they couldn't come to a conclusion. So the judge declared it a mistrial. So he get got to leave prison because he was locked up for like 15 months while they were in the process of waiting for the trial, getting the trial. Okay. And then, so this happens. He gets to go home. He gets to walk. In which, of course, that made the family absolutely mad. And, it, I mean, you are the family. Because you want justice. Yes, definitely. But at the same time, I just don't see the... I couldn't. There's no evidence. A lot of these things, when you watch them, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I can see where they're guilty. Like, absolutely. And then, and like or a, you can pinpoint them yeah. like, oh, yeah, he did it. Yeah. And But this one, it just... There was no, especially having no evidence like DNA, any kind of evidence, um, really, anything. It was all just a, not even really a lot of circumstantial stuff. And and really, she didn't make the case. There were no recordings where she was just busting about how he wasn't. Or I feel like my life is, you know, sometimes yeah. there's a lot of stuff leading up to you. You feel like yeah. something's going to happen or you. Yeah. I, it just, I, I didn't, know. I didn't quite see it either um, about the guilty. Um, and so then he had a second trial. Yeah, second trial, and the prosecution didn't change their um, approach at all. Excuse me. No. And then <laughs> on that one, it was like the opposite. It was the opposite. Eleven people thought he was guilty, and one person thought he was innocent. Yeah. So, but so that, but that they had some issues with that jury because they they interviewed some of the members, and one of them was like, "Yeah, it got really tense when the one person." said that they were the smartest person in the room because they had a PhD, which was probably the one that thought he was not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, yeah, he was the smartest person in the room. Yeah, Melissa feels strong about this, I'm team this, Norman guys. on this one. I mean, he may not be the best person, 
but I don't think yeah, he killed anybody. I definitely anybody. think he was not. And his mom. His character is, uh, his integrity. Mom, oh, they just took just the sweet, this good, this genuine gentleman and ruined his life. No, well, me. He can improve some. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but I don't think he murdered anybody. Oh, yeah, I know. Whenever it's funny because in the beginning he looked. I mean, just seeing him talk and the way he carried himself, I was like, wow, he, he, he talked about listening to Brittany. And I mean, I feel for her and all the other women who have been taking advantage of his smooth talking, but he looked like a great listener. Mm -hmm. And, um, but definitely at the end, he, he was, he was confident that he was not guilty. And, and so I guess he's, um, I don't know how many children. It's amazing. He doesn't have more than just that one. Uh, well, probably by now he probably has a lot. Yeah. He don't know. About. Yeah. <laughs> 15 to 20 women mm, i don't know at one given time how many years ago yeah he yeah. probably has a lot he doesn't know about know. so but in in all fairness to him too his name has been ruined because yeah. he can't you know you can't google his name and come up with the when story something about happens to you down. and it's been said you can't change that and so i mean it's sad and it's sad for britney's family they're very torn up about it and it's very sad and it's just a sad scenario but I just feel like maybe they didn't try to find the per. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of work put into finding well, it I mean, anybody else, especially since there were two other male DNA. That that found. right there gets me. And then the oh well, just four days ago, someone broke into this. Yeah, I mean they had a lot of break-ins. Yeah. I mean, did they ever find the people from the break-ins? So maybe they'll go and back. And it seemed like it was a well. He's trying to get in here. We're putting him in the car. We're going to talk to him. Yeah. And they even said, I don't know who said if they said it to Norman. Or if they just mentioned it, but they said that the prosecution t said if there's any new evidence that comes out, he's getting arrested again. Oh, wow. Like, they were at a vendetta, it sounds like. Right. Wow. In which we know that happens sometimes. Yeah. Where does. they tunnel vision on certain suspects. And, they, you know, and you find out decades later, it was completely somebody different. True. That's true. Um, and then sometimes our justice system puts innocent people behind bars and it's not found out until years later as well. So. Yeah. That's but true. in this case, I think they, they did get it right. Yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in this week. We we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you share and we had fun. Yeah. I know I had fun. So I hope <laughs> Melissa had fun. I missed this. So glad yeah. to get back into season two. So Exciting. we will have another new episode for you next yeah. week. Hmm. What could it and be? So Is it an animal that's used as a weapon? We were supposed to be more organized in 2022. Maybe. Okay, let me just go ahead and blow that out of <laughs> the water because I don't know if that's going to happen. But we're going to have fun. And we hope you'll join us so that you enjoyed listening. And share us with more have people. Fun. Yes, please do. And thank you for all the states and the countries and everyone listening. And we really do appreciate it. And we're excited. So. Yeah, so you can join us on Facebook. Um, old Time Crime Gals. You can email us. We're oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. Find us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Share us away. And just want you to know. If you do the crime, it's going to catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.